Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan. I'm from thebigkickoff.com. It's Nathan Doyle and the founder of theleagueofireland.com. It's Jared Mulrini. Now, take a deep breath. We're going to talk about Dundalk. Last week, Vinnie Pert was sacked as manager of Dundalk Football Club. A result since the lockdown, well, they were abnormally poor for the champions and the last draw for the owners was a 3-0 defeat to Selja in Europe which seen them dumped out of the Champions League qualifiers. Now normally on the surface this would be seen as a standard managerial casualty but freelance journalist James Rogers wrote an interesting a really interesting article. Jared, it's fair to say there's a whole lot more to this than meets the eye. Yeah, you can certainly say that, Roy. Um, as everyone knows, a week is a long time in politics, which was fairly proven already this week. In football, it's an eternity. As you said there, Dundalk-based journalist James Rogers, he outlined it all perfectly in his article. Now, it's quite a long read, but I definitely encourage any fan of the League of Ireland to read it. Um, yes, Vinny lost the dressing room, apparently, according to James. Um, poor results this season, especially since they came back after the lockdown. Um, results were poor but I suppose they'd have called that to one side if they got the results in Europe that they were craving but that didn't materialise um, look they were very the game the game itself wasn't too bad in the first half Dundalk played fairly well um, and just coming up to half time a terrible defensive error gave the goal that they really that they can held on to then for the rest of the game Dundalk was struggling after that they never really got going and as you said, Vinny got sacked at the end of the game. Well, it was the following day. Um, to be honest, I wasn't overly surprised that he got sacked. I think it was more the fact, the timing of it. Um, you're, Dundalk are still in the Europa League after dropping back into that, after defeat against Selje. So I thought they'd at least give him a chance. Um, it was a surprise in that, in that regard. But look, as you said, results were very, very poor. And on results alone, he probably would have got the sack. But I suppose there so long he's been part of the success of the club and um, it's it's a bit of a disappointing way for him to go out but it, it seems to be so much going on in the background it's even it's hard to kind of go through it all but um, there's a lot of talk that he was under pressure to change to make changes to the team to give players um, players that are in the squad if he didn't want to pick if they want to put them in the team there was talk Michael Duffy I wanted to put him in a more midfield role for the Champions League game. He refused. So, look, it was inevitable that the sack was coming. But it is a mess. And this whole situation with this new manager supposedly coming in tomorrow, it's, it's a joke. How they can give top champions job to a, a young or a coach, only, only a coach in experience is an Milan summer camp in the States. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. It just appears that they seem to want to use to bring in young college footballers from the States. Um, they brought in the likes of Joshua Gatt, Herman Giamatti, and like it's just madness. I don't. I really don't know where to go with it. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, Nathan. In the article, it was suggested that Vinnie Pert wasn't as liked within the squad that he lacked the man-management skills Stephen Kenny had. It was also su- suggested that Robbie Benson moved away to Richmond Park as he had no, no, no longer wanted to play under Pert. Now, I'm not sure that that is totally and entirely the reason, as I heard at the time when Benson moved. He had one eye on part-time football to help focus on the studies that he desired to progress with, but I, it's, it definitely won't say that it wasn't partially the decision to go. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, like yourself, when, when Benson came into pass, I heard uh, a lot. Of, some of the move had to do with playing for a team in Dublin as well. That for his studies and for his career, that Dublin was was the place they wanted to be. But I find it strange that that he lost the dressing room so quickly, considering like Vinnie Pearce isn't a nobody at Dundalk. Like he was a part of, he's a major part of the Dundalk success under Stephen Kenny. He was there for seven years. At Dundalk, the club, though, not like he's nobody that came in off the streets and didn't understand the club and didn't un- understand how the club works and 
the philosophy of the club. Like he knew a lot of these players for a long time. So like you wonder how did how did he manage to lose the dressing room so quickly? Did he find the transition from being an assistant manager to a manager tough? Because in in the brilliant article that we keep mentioning, it said that if Stephen Kenny left somebody out of the team, Vinnie Perry could be the fourth person over to put his arms around the shoulder of that player and say, Well look kid, if it was me, I would have picked you. So now, all of a sudden, he's a manager and he's in a completely different situation and he's, he has much more authority and power and he is the one picking the team. So all of a sudden, he can't do that. So maybe he found a transition from being, you know, like, like a little bit buddy-buddy with the, with the lads in the dressing room as the assistant to being the, the, the head man as the head coach. Yeah, and Nathan, he also changed his captain, uh, Brian Gartland, to Chris Shields. And, yeah. and again, they say that in that, he wasn't told and that he only knew when, when they were playing in the game at the same time. So uh, is it little things maybe that's after, I suppose, upsetting the cart? Look, um, I think it's, it's completely up to Vinnie Perry who he wants to captain first of all. So but you have to go about it the right way. You know, like it was wrong. If Brian Garton only found out, it didn't find out in the right way, that is wrong. And it's the little things like that that is going to pick and bite and snag away at people at the dressing room. Like Brian Gartland, again, another player who's been at Sundorf for a number of years now, and a well-respected member of that Sundorf team, and a well-respected member of the League of Ireland uh, football community. Where a lot of people, a lot of people are very high in Brian Gartland. So the same, like not only lose his captaincy, but lose his captaincy and not even be told in the right manner. It's always going to, it's not going to go down well with the guys that look up to Gartland and that respect Gartland. So, it is like, we know ourselves it's the little things that you probably hold the most and if little things start to build up because you're going to slowly but surely lose the dressing room and lose not respect from your players but you're going to like oh, well I didn't like the way he handled this and I didn't like the way he handled that you know mm. yeah it, it's very strange also Roy that not one player has come out and tweeted a message of a buy or a message of support for Vinnie Perk like now whether that's the player to do that it's, it's difficult to know, but it is very, very strange. Um, yeah. We said last week. I said last week that I just wasn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a fan of me. No, I just. He was. He was. In the, he seemed to be the right man in the right place when Stephen Kenny left. That they wanted a bit of stability, so they went with the next man in, the assistant manager who had been there and knew the players. But as Nathan alluded, they're like it's a totally different job being assistant manager to being the man that has to make all the decisions. And like Stephen Kenny's man management was second to none. I just don't think Vinny had that man management with him. Um, it's it's very difficult. It's strange. Like John Gill now also left the club again this evening. And um, there's rumor, a lot of rumours that Alan Reynolds is due to follow suit. So it's a difficult situation the club find themselves in. They're set to appoint a new manager tomorrow in Filippo Giovanni and he's only an A licensed coach. So we need a pro licensed coach in the club. So the only one left if Reynolds resigns tomorrow is uh, former Wexford, Wexford manager um, Shane Keegan who remains to be seen what he's going to do so it's, it's, a, it's a complete mess I don't know it's, it's hard to get your head around it Yeah Jared. I mean you alluded to it already there was talk of interfering with team selections but one of the biggest sort of madness surrounding this was talk of sacrificing the first League of Ireland game back versus St. Pat's for a friendly versus Celtic and looking to play the under-19 squad or, or underage players. Uh, it, that's, it's hard to comprehend that that's just bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, um, like, it's, it hurts. Like, big six, when they came in, they just fuck it up and walk the walk. But I suppose they lost their former chairman, Mike Tracy. He was he seems to be good in, with interacting with the supporters and was quite uh, amiable. And he, he seems to say the right things. He left the club, and their peak six um, owner, Hussizer, passed seemingly passed the club over to his father, a seventy-seven-year-old um, American by the name of Bill Hussizer. It 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 just seems to be that he wants. Just a, a play thing at the minute, um, as you said, they're like trying to sacrifice uh, one of your league games when you're chasing the title, chasing when your your rival Shamrock Rovers to field an under nineteen team. Like is just utter madness. It's all just to make a few bob in a 
in a friendly game against Carlisle just makes no sense. Um, and like as you said, it, it, the club would have had to quarantine for two weeks back. Literally, you're you're sacrificing three, maybe even four league games. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> as I said, it's hard to get your head around it. What's the thinking behind this? Gundalf Football Club at the minute is just another mess. It's mess even what the players are thinking. They're professional footballers and they're going to be coached by a coach has only coached kids. It just makes no sense. Yeah. And, you know, like an awful lot of these players are out of contract at the end of the season. I think there's only, is it eight or ten players under contract for next season? I can't see any of them remaining at the end of the season, to be fair. If they even get that to that stage, uh, it's, it's just madness. Yeah, I mean, Nathan. Do we think it's safe to say that um, this golden era that the dogs find themselves in is going to come to an end? Well, it's certainly it's certainly looking that way. They're certainly pushing. It's it certainly looks like they're trying to push the the club off the cliff and and destroy it just for their sort of football manager type ownership. It's 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 crazy. And if you think about it, Nathan, Dundalk have the the biggest budget in the league. They've been given players two and three year contracts, and I think we're all kind of thinking now that there's a good chance they could miss out on a European spot now the way the club has imploded. Yeah, there there is like, um, and it's funny for for the, for the longest time on this podcast we were saying it's going to be a two horse race <laughs> for the title. Now, now, well, like if you look, Sligo Rovers only two points behind them in fourth place. And then you have uh, Derry, Pats, Shelbourne, and Waterford that were all on three points behind the lock. So not only is it, is it not a two horse race for the title, it's European football isn't even guaranteed for next season, which will be. Complete disaster of disasters for them dark, and you could le- you could literally say that like the American owners, that's all they wanted. That's what they said in day one. Their goal, end goal, at the end of the day, is to get them dark into a group stage of a, of a European competition. So for them to miss out next season on European football, like you'd hate to think what's going to happen because it would just it will not only would it get worse and worse, it will know stories extremely quickly. Nathan, like you mentioned. You mentioned there about um, the the club always wanted to get into Europe and make a success of Europe. Then it's it's even harder to to fathom what's going on because you don't appoint uh, a summer camp coach to a club that uh, that has ambitions to make it in Europe. He has no experience, no experience yeah, this, whatsoever. This, 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 this is his first. Uh, well, it's expected to be announced, but this is his first seeing their managing job. It, it's baffled, baffling. Like, I know, I understand that, uh, like I've said in day one, like, as soon as Vinnie Pearl got sacked, Alan Reynolds should be the man to take over. I, wonder, I believe that he doesn't want the full-time role, which is completely understandable. But surely there's better options than this. Surely there's, there's some some decent English culture that would love the chance to come over and and, uh, and have a go. Yeah, but it's not, it's, not even, it's not even that, though. I mean, the short term, if you bring in someone for a short term, as Jared said already, the players who are running out of contract, if if it's not working out with him, they're gone. They're not coming back. And who wants to go into a, t- a club who are dying in a farcical way? And that's exactly what's happening. They're dying in a farcical way. And there's nothing to say that this peak six, when they've made a balls of it, are going to hang around. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. That's what I the area. If European football drives up at the dark, this, this crowd doesn't seem overly interested in handing around and winning league titles and winning cups. European football is, it seems to be their end game. So if that drives up, then I think you could literally say goodbye to, to, to your American owners that are investing into the club. Yeah. Jared, you wanted to get in there? Yeah, just to be fair, as you said, like, if American, if American owners are only interested in Europe, they're going to miss out on Europe this, this season. I can't see Peak Six hanging around. And to be fair, I think most... Um, most genuine Dundalk fans, the way this has gone over the past 10 days, that's the back of them. Because if they're going to try and run the club into the ground like this, it's just disgraceful. And they're better off out of the league, in my opinion. We don't want them here. That's, you know, we don't want people to come in here and treat our club like more or less work and just make it disgrace. Like it's, Dundalk at the minute are a laughing stock. Mm. You know, you don't think the champions of your league don't appoint a smart coach to lead a team of professional footballers in a European campaign it's a disgrace it shouldn't be happening and I wouldn't be at all surprised if the players 
take a stand on this because it's just it's just utter utter madness and it cannot be well one thing's for sure a week is a long time and we've got another show next week and God only knows what we're going to turn up next week. So, yeah, keep listening. OK, listen, tonight, Derry, we're in the Europa League action and Nathan, we have another club who have failed at the first hurdle. Yeah, it's a shame. And it's... I, I had strong enough hopes that, that he'd do it, that he'd, uh, he'd get through this tie. Obviously, like, it was, uh, didn't get to see his game himself, but, like... <laughs> Getting an early goal, if he went one and up in like the eighteenth minute, so you thought maybe he could push on from then and yeah, so I'm sure it's disappointing, like it's always disappointing losing losing extra time. And it's just yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare for them. It's you thought it might have been a nice distraction maybe from they've been a bit up and down in in the league form at the moment, so you thought this European run could be a nice sort of distraction and could even kick them off a little bit, you know. But Unfortunately, wasn't to be. Like, the side he played a decent enough, like, he finished up toward last season in the Lithuanian League, which, like, there's only, there's only something like six teams in the league. It's, yeah, but disappointing. It's not one that you could, that you could say you're seeing coming now that you didn't fancy Derry City uh, to win. I don't know about you, lads, but I, th- I, th- I thought Derry City could be one, one of the uh, Irish side to progress in the next round. We've been talking about them, Don Nathan, the last couple of weeks, and myself I haven't been overly impressed with Derry City and how they've performed how, they, how they've played I think they've they've a strong enough unit I think they've got good players I just didn't like their style of play I, I think it's uh, I think it's holding them back a bit and now the two teams who are probably not playing at their best are both out of Europe so out of the four teams that we have in Europe are Rovers and Bows can they make their mark I mean they're the ones that are in form can they salvage some sort of pride for the league I think if you are looking for some of the service pride, I think Shamrock Rovers could be the one to do it. But like, obviously, it's handy with the home tie, but considering if you look at the draws, if both have a tough away game, uh, they're going to travel to Hungary on Thursday. It's going, so it's going to be a tough one. Like, they're playing the side that finished second in, in uh, the Hungarian league. And yeah, so I think if, it's, if they're going to put someone down that do start start with some sort of... Uh, Play face with Lake and Shamrock Rovers could be the one just truly down to the um, just to the home tie could, could be in their favour to be honest yeah um, I want to continue on with Shamrock Rovers because last week yet again saw them drop another two points to a well set up Shelburne side Jared, we mentioned it last week and it seems to be materialising teams seem to have figured out a game plan to nullify Stephen Bradley's man yeah, they do all right. Um, they seem to pack their midfield, and but the Rovers kind of play one man up top, so they have five men across the middle, and any team they play against, they seem to just pack that midfield and don't don't give up too much at the back. Um, Jack Burton, look, he's he's a huge talent in the middle of that Shamrock Rovers midfield, but if you pack the midfield and don't give him room, he can't find any any spit to make the pass into their strikers, and and as everybody knows, it, it Rovers really lacking that kind of 20 goal 18 goal season main striker they they just don't they haven't found it they're trying very hard to find it but they just can't seem to find it and in fairness to Shell Shelburne were, were always going to go there and kind of keep it tight they were never going to give to open up the game and give them space and it, it worked out perfectly uh, Ian Morris like he started well with Shell done very well they're, they're pretty hard to break down but yeah look it, it's going to be difficult for Rovers as you said they've two weeks in a row now obviously we're playing 10 men same pass the week before so that was always going to be difficult pass to lay 10 men behind the ball and never really gave up anything and uh, I, I don't even think Rovers had too many chances in that game either at the weekend so yeah look it's going to be tricky for um, but in Europe in Europe this week I fully expect them to, to get through against Ilves they're a mid-table team uh, haven't played very well this year they were very solid defensively last season they only conceded 18 goals in the league campaign, but they've conceded 17 goals already this this season in just 11 games. I'd expect Rovers once they if they play their own, play their game, um, try and get get Jack Burney more involved in the game and try and give him a bit of space. I think they'll, they'll score they'll score enough goals to get through against Ilves during the week. Hot on their heels are Bows who close the gap to two points. Are they real title contenders now, Nathan? Yeah, well, since the table doesn't lie, you've um, 
he had had a nice win over St. Pat's uh, last time out. He looked good, don't he? There's a couple of like a lot of good young players in that in that side. Um, mentioned before, uh, Twardek, who I'm a massive fan of, but think that he's come to his own since he came to Bohemia. Had the likes of Danny Grant, Keith, uh, Keith Buckley. Yeah, I think that if they're going to look this season, I know, like I know, which was only said earlier, but we, we said from the start that it could be two horse race between uh, Rovers and Dundalk. But Bohemians look like the side that are going to take over into that second position. And they're going to take a lot of catching. And it's going to be interesting now. They have a, they have a game coming up. Uh, well, obviously, it's got postponed today. The Shamrock Rovers Bohemians game is going to be played on the 5th of September. But if every game coming up now against Shamrock Rovers, so if you can get something out of that game, all of a sudden, it's, it's game on, isn't it? It's going to be an interesting uh, final sprint uh, for the title. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a short season. So, I mean, they only have to keep focused on one game at a time. The season will be over in no time. And if they can keep that focus and keep the quality up, they have a great chance, in my opinion. Anyhow, one player that stands out for me at the moment is Andre Wright. He's a quality centre forward, links to play up well. He's uh, strong. And, and I'm looking at... I suppose St. Pat's and you you were talking about Georgie Kelly you were praising him yourself Nathan there the other week as a striker who possibly could fit in with Rovers but I did think why would Dundalk let him go apart from the fact that he wasn't just getting game time but I think I'm starting to see it now he's he's a good player in the box he'll score goals for it in the box but he really needs to work harder with his link play He's he lost the ball so much in that game he really is just still learning his trade and I don't think that St. Pat's are going to benefit off uh, a Georgie Kelly of now unless they keep him around for another few years. What's your thoughts on that? Um, from someone that's seen Kelly, like, you, know, you know yourself, when you see somebody actually lawyers playing, you get to see them moving off the ball, they don't really pick up in the cameras. And I do have to agree, even when he is playing up top by himself, the whole... The whole system of the Pats team changes and it walks towards them and all of a sudden it's, it's plenty of long but like hopeful long balls up top which isn't pretty to watch and like you alluded to his movement isn't great really off the ball he's never making runs into the pockets just trying to find space and even trying to make moves to hold the ball up it's just he's, he's just standing on, on the toes of, of the, of the centre-halves just trying just trying to get the ball in and I don't know if it's a confidence issue because he hasn't played that like he's played a, like a bit under the ball but he's never the main man so I'm not sure if, if it's anything to do with that or the system doesn't suit him but from what he's saying there's plenty of potential and we've seen him he scored twice against Finn Harp and he can finish it he's a decent finisher but a lot of the off the ball stuff has to be better it's like it's just too just too easy to mark I'd say like and even for a big guy he's not the most physical you yeah. never see him. He's not. You wouldn't, wouldn't describe him as a nuisance for centre half. So you wouldn't say. You wouldn't look as I say. It's tough marking him. A lot of the stuff he does is just. He's very. He's not very mobile. He just stands where he is, and you need someone like Jordan Gibson or Darren Markey to sort of walk off him to make that walk. But when they're just leaving him up top by himself, I've seen him being isolated far too many times. Is that a and problem? He gets the ball the yeah, is that a problem though? Not coming from him though but is that a problem from the way the team is set up are they not getting closer to him is he, he is he's someone that probably needs to be in the box and not looking to link off you know, if you know what I mean He so are, oh, they, yeah. are they not playing to his strengths he's a big lad and it's just, that's what when you have an image of, of a big strike on your head you need him in the box and you need deliveries into him and that's been perhaps a big problem this season is that it just there seems to be a serious lack of ideas and lack of creativity when you get the ball around the box, it's no quick, sharp movement or quick passes in, into the striker. It's just like, like crabs. It's just across and across and across, just looking for something to happen. And you, like, I'm sure, like I've seen him play, a perfect example was his debut uh, match against Derry. And he came off, uh, Kelly came off of, like, pretty early into the second half and he put his cell phone because he was just isolated and nothing was happening for him. I know he's obviously prepared to blame himself because there had to come a time where you had to sort of make something happen. But he still needs, he needs uh, someone to provide for him. He needs the ball into him. He needs someone to make a run and he's given the, the option to run into the box and receive the ball. So if you're not going to do that, it's, it's going to be tough for the lad to, uh, to really do anything if he's not going to get any service. Is it strange, Nathan, that um, David Titov, our um, 
Dan Ward haven't been playing for past in the last few games. They were very impressive uh, that, against Dundalk. Uh, the Dan Ward one for me is very strong. Find it very strange, uh, especially since the break. I think Dan Ward has probably been Pat's best player. Like I've seen a play like the fourth game against Dundalk, and I thought it was fantastic. And there was a lot of fantastic performances against Dundalk in the fourth game. I thought he was probably one. He was probably the best. So how he has that of pace as well. A lot of pace and a lot of a lot of aggression too. I think he's a pretty pretty aggressive guy, and where we've seen players, especially foreign players, come into the league and struggle with the physicality of the league. But he seems to be up for it. He seems to be game enough. Like again, going back to the Dundalk game, like I've seen him. Like how many times have we seen someone stifle Michael Duffy? And I thought he's done a great job, uh, Mark and Duffy, mm-hmm. in the, on the day. So uh, to see them two lads to have really impressed. And same with uh, Darren Markey, who's been pretty much just making cameo appearances. Since uh, since we returned from the break, it's just three lads that you could put into that team that you say could make a difference. Yeah. And Robbie Benson was very disappointed at the weekend as well. He was, yes. Um, fair enough to Robbie, it, it was it was a bad day. Like uh, I think Robbie, I've been happy enough with Robbie since the uh, since the the past. You know what you're going to get out of him, you know. Mm. Uh, again, if, if the four-star situation is breaking me hard, it's, it's tough seeing him play the way it's just. Shadow of his former self, really, at this stage, isn't he? It's, it's sad to see. Like, I understand like, a lot of stuff is going on off the field, but he just can't seem to get it together at all for a consistent, decent run of games. Towards the back end of last season, he had a couple of good performances, and we thought, great, maybe we're going to see the best of him again, but it's just not kicking off for the guy at all. Like, so, surely it comes a stage where you're looking for us, and you have guys on the bench like Dan Ward, like Darren Markey, where it has to be changed up at some stage. Yeah, you'd have to imagine so. Yeah. Sligo are now two points off Dundalk in fourth place, which is a remarkable turnaround. And Jared, the 3 1 victory over a soulless Dundalk side was well deserved, wasn't it? Oh, very much so, yeah. Sligo played very well. But they're a little bit inconsistent. Um, they've had two good results now back to back, probably the first time this season. They were very poor down in Turner's Cross last weekend, and they were beaten 3 0. Um, so, look, they, they played. They started off quite well at a couple of chances, but once Cork scored, they kind of just fell apart and fell behind then against Waterford, but came back, scored a last-minute winner, and um, by a very, very poor goalkeeping mistake. But yeah, look, they they, they took on Dundalk. Probably they were probably lucky enough in that they took on a very kind of disappointed Dundalk just back from Europe. Um, they scored early on. Now, obviously, um, Pat Hoop Pat Hoban missed the penalty, so that. That obviously changed the game and confidence was drained out of Dundalk after that. But, like, look, Dundalk weren't were, were shocking. They were only a pale, pale um, uh, side, side compared to what they have been. But Sligo took full advantage. They played well. They scored goals. They, you know, they were, they were excellent. And, like, from being bottom of the table to being in fifth, fourth, is it fourth place they are now? And yeah. tied fourth. Like, it's a huge turnaround. Um, Liam Buckley has done a great job and like they're, they're still improving you think like Junior has only played one and a half games he's come into that team he was the league's top scorer last season uh, Ronan Cochran is fine in form you know they're they're playing very well they, the uh, New Zealand striker Ryan DeVries a big strong lad up up top seems to be settling in quite well at, at Sligo and look Sligo is a great town a great football town the, the supporters really get behind the club obviously there's no supporters in the stands at the minute but they're fully behind them. And look, I I thought when Junior joined the club, I thought it was a huge statement of intent by Liam Buckley. And I think Sligo will have, they will have no problem staying up this season. They're not even a threat for relegation in, in my eyes. But yeah, look, it was a huge result against Dundalk. Very much unexpected because I think a lot of people expected Dundalk to, to bounce back in style after their defeat during the week. But as everyone has seen, they've imploded since then. But uh, no, fair play to Rovers. They've done very well. Yeah. Ben Harps, who can't score goals, walloped three past John Sheridan's Waterford United to grab a fantastic win on their travels. Uh, three goals to two. Nathan, Ollie Horgan stated that after the game that he'd welcomed the relegation playoff with open arms. So is that the best they can hope for? Realistically, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think um, they're, not, they're not miles behind uh, Waterford, only four points behind. But I think if you look at the squad and you look at the way they set up and the players to, the, to, to their disposal that themselves in Cork City it's, it's going to be the, the two of them for, uh, for relegation 
hope he doesn't come back to buy us like the whole Shamrock Rovers and Dock too hard in. But I think, um, yeah, I think that's the best you can do. It's a huge result for them, this one. Uh, in fairness, like it wasn't really, it was a game that only really bought in their life in the, in the later stages. So it was a massive win and it's, you know what you're going to get with Finn Hart under Ollie Horgan. He has him set up a certain way and he has a, like, a, a rigid uh, fight, like a good fight in, in that team. So, it's happy, happy to see, especially the whole John Sheridan situation that went on last week. Like, I happened to see him lose the plot. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if Finn Hart, I think if you offered Ollie Horgan now, you can finish ninth. Yeah, I think he's right to say it's not the handoff here because the teams that are ahead of them, like Waterford, Shelbourne, St. Pat's, Derry, you can't really see any of them falling too much. Uh, like having such a nose dive. I know it's a short season and only one or two results make a big difference. But I just think the two that are down there now with Finhart and Cork are probably the, the, well, they are the two weakest teams uh, in the league and it's going to be a fight off between the two of them for relegation. Yeah, and uh, with Cork getting beaten by Derry 3-1 on the Friday, it cemented uh, Cork's weekend to the bottom of the league. Now, the first division, Jared, you can get me back on this one. Cavan Teeley beaten <laughs> by uh, a, a world-class UCD side. Uh, look, Cavan Teeley and even kind of uh, Pat Devlin said afterwards, they were just shattered, I think, after their week. They had two great victories um, the previous weekend and during the week. And it, he, they, were, they were just wrecked. He said, look, we parsed that result to one side. He said, UCD played well on the day. We just, Cavan Teeley weren't in it. And look, you're going to have a result like that every so often. Um, Cavan was still top of the table. Um, Grahad are closing the gap, but still, they still have work to do. But yeah, look, Cavan Teeley have done great. I wouldn't really read too much into the UCD result. I know they were beaten 3-0. It looks like a hammering, but I don't think it was. I think it was just a case that Cavan Teeley, the players were just wrecked. Um, he said it during the week after their result in, in Longford that uh, they only had so many players but he says when they all they all wanted to play they all wanted to put in the effort to go up to Longford and, and get a result and they were just wrecked he, he said it after the game so I think it wasn't a huge surprise um, obviously with Cabo being top of the table and and having such a good run it looks that way but I think in, in fairness to Cabo they were just they were just drained from the from the, the couple of results they've had but no they've done very well Um as I said, Drogheda closed the gap to two points, so it's going to be tricky now. Um, with the break now coming up this weekend with the FAI Cup starting up, Cabo have a big Dublin derby against Bohemians coming up, so they can kind of park the league and just have a, have a good run at Bowes in the Cup. But uh, yeah, look, it's getting it's getting tight at the top, but as I said all along from the opening uh, show in the, on the podcast, that I still fancy Drogheda to win the league. But Cabo will definitely be there, thereabouts. But I'd imagine it's a playoff place for them. And uh, Galway got a, 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 a nice point against Bray, but a new man's going to be uh, in the dugout. Yeah, surprising for me. Um, I didn't see it. Um, to be honest with you, I just didn't see. I didn't see them making a big name appointment like that. John Coffey coming in after his tenure at Cork City. Um, it's a big, big jump from winning leagues and winning cups to being more or less. Appointed at the bottom club in the league, even though I think Adlone are that, but they're Galway aren't too far behind them. Um, it's a big statement for Galway, but I, I think they've written off this season. To be fair, um, John Caulfield signed an 18-month contract, so it's really all about next season. You know, as everyone knows, the transfer window is closed. Galway aren't going to be able to bring in any players now for this playoff run, and there's only what ten games, nine, ten games left. So the chances of Galway making the playoffs are very slim. But look, they got a point. They battled for a point against uh, a team like, like Bray Wanderers who were battling for promotion. It was a good point. It was a clean sheet, which is always good. John Caulfield was in the stands watching the game. Um, look, you can only start from where from where he's starting from. Uh, starting to try and get some more solid, more more uh, solid at the back. Um, start with the deep, uh, defensively and work and work up the pitch. Look, go. I have some players, but have a lot of young players. Um, but he'll he'll do a solid job. But whether the style of football he plays will kind of appease the Galway faithful, it's hard to tell. Um, he's not exactly known for expansive football. So look, we'll have to wait and see. But it's a good, it's a great appointment. Great for the league to see John Coffey back. Um, uh, he'll he'll generate a lot of interest. Obviously, with fans not in the ground, it's disappointing because 
he's a real League of Ireland man. He he loves the league. He always wants to try and promote the league. He he gets the the people the, the people to back the team, which would be great. But look, it is what it is. But uh, no, a great appointment for Galway. We'll just have to wait and see what happens from here on in. Yeah, and uh, fans may not like a style of football, but always fans like winning football. So if he can get them winning, he'll have have them on their side. Nathan Longford are starting to have a little bit of a wobble while Cove are well getting themselves back into it. Uh, what's going on with Longford? 2-0 beaten by Cove. Yeah, it's a strange one. It was always going to be a tough game, like I think I've said before, that going to Cove, for anybody this season, might, uh, might turn out to be a tough task. Like It's a long enough journey for a lot of people. But yeah, uh, Longford, their the second defeat on the bounce. I know the week before they got beaten to the league leaders, Cabin Healy, but this could have been one you could have looked at as, as something to bounce back with, you know. It's um, it's, a, it's not the, the end for anything like that fifth place with 13 points. They're only uh, a point behind Bray and Thor. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you could look at and say it's somewhat of a surprise. They're playing Wexford next and then they're playing um, Shamrock Rovers, two, two games that they could bounce back on and like we said plenty of times one or two results in this shortened season makes a huge difference if they can pick up six points in two games all of a sudden like this little bad fortune they're in it's turned into a good fortune and they're back not only fighting for the playoffs but possibly fighting for the title I mean it's nearly uh, nearly impossible for a team not to make a playoff in that division so they should have a chance Okay, the Republic of Ireland squad was announced by former League of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny for the upcoming games in the National League Jared, uh, what did you make of it? Um, not overly surprised to be honest I didn't think he'd make too many changes I know there's a lot of um, League of Ireland fans calling for more League of Ireland representation in the the overall squad, but look, he was always going to name just a 23-man squad. He hasn't gone down the route of Martin O'Neill's 40-odd-man squad. Um, so look, I think the only realistic chance we had of a League of Ireland player being in the squad was Jack Byrne. Um, he's decided to leave him out. He's he's on the standby list, but I don't think um, Shamrock Rovers, well, obviously with their game, the game against Bowles now being called off, or supposedly called off, it's still a bit up in the air at the minute. That will suit them that he's not in the squad. But um, look, I wasn't overly surprised. Um, I suppose Troy Parrish would be the biggest surprise in one sense in that he's very young. He hasn't really played much senior football. Um, Adam Ida coming into the attack is, is, is interesting. Um, they have a good, they have a good attack, attack force. Shawnee Maguire maybe is a bit disappointed to miss out. But I think they're missing a little bit in the middle of the park um, for me. Um, the likes of James McCarthy, he's, uh, I suppose Stephen Kenny's a big fan of his. Harry Archer, Jeff Hendrick, like there's nothing in there that's really going to kind of generate too much um, in forward movement there. Jason Malumbi, it's nice to see him in, but he's very young. Like it's really, it's a start for him now to see where his career goes from here. But there's not enough, um, not talent, but enough um, creativity, I suppose, attacking movement. Yeah, there's not a lot of creativity in the middle of the park for me. I think that's where that's where Jack Byrne would have, would have slotted in. So I'm a bit surprised by that, um, but that's probably the only thing. I didn't think he'd make too many changes because you know he's. I suppose he wants to give players that are in and around the squad give them the opportunity to try and impress him and see what he's about, and he'll take it from there. But uh, yeah, look, it's 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 a squad. It's a fairly kind of predictable squad in a sense for me. I kind of agree with uh, Jared there, Nathan. A midfield that doesn't look too exciting. Harry Arthur hasn't done anything amazing in the last while. James McCarthy's only back. Uh, not saying they won't do a good job, but he's only back. Jeff Hendricks, Alan Brown hasn't done anything fantastic. And we totally understand with the League of Ireland that 99% of the players are not ready, are not, not at the level to be playing for the international side. Some of them may not have reached that level. Some of them just haven't. Will never reach that level. But Jack Bourne is of that level, and he's proven that. And he seems to be any time he has played the only one who who is able to create and open up things and wants to create and open up things. A bit like Wes Houlihan did. So is it is it a bit of a mistake not putting him in? I would have thought that Stephen Kenny he would have been the type of player that would have fitted into his system. 
Yeah, it was the one time when I seen the squad announced that probably surprising the most. Obviously, with Stevens' uh, League of Ireland background, and like you mentioned, like there's a couple of good names in the squad, like Horahans, and will we'll probably do something. Ben McCarthy's solid enough, but nobody that can really look at and say, we're throwing the squares if needs be. And Jack Bourne is that sort of player. He's just very creative. He didn't have the best game against Shelbourne, but even with that, he looked, and when he got the ball, he looked like he could do something if the space was available to him. In fairness, Stephen, I, I know he said that um, League of Ireland players will start to come in, and he mentioned, obviously, Jack Bourne, he mentioned uh, Graham Bork of Shamrock Rovers and Michael Duffy of Dundalk. Yeah, it was it was definitely the uh, the surprise um the surprising uh, thing for me that Jack Bourne wasn't in the side. Like I was a little bit surprised at Michael Odafemi not being up there as well. He had a decent finish the season with uh, Southampton. Even looking at the squad now, we only have two centre halves with John Egan and Shane Duffy. Surprised Dara O'Shea didn't get the nod, he had a, again had a good end of the season with West Brom. But yeah, the the Exclusion of Jack Bourne was definitely something that raised a couple of eyebrows. I think we really all expect him to be in in, in the squad. Yeah, given, I'm, I'm kind of uh, looking at the squad the just just as you mentioned it there, Nathan. And could it be possible that he's going to go for a tree at the back? Because it just seems yeah. that it's fairly possible with those type of players that, as you said, they're limited with six there uh, defenders. The likes of uh, Robinson, McLean, O'Dowda. Um, even Connolly could be playing in a wing back type role. Maybe Matt Doherty playing wing back, but you yeah. know what I mean. It, it does seem that that type of way he'd have his three in the midfield where he dominate possession if that's the type of game that he's looking to play, and maybe play two up front because he has a uh, he has a few strikers there. And as I said, Shane Long, I think it's probably Shane Long or uh, Obafemi. They're very similar. They don't they don't score bags of goals. So, no. you know, and Shane Long's probably at the, Shane Long's probably still better at what he does uh, at the moment. So, you know, I can understand maybe, but I can't. I can't see him being left out of squads for too much longer. Yeah. So, could it, could that be it? Could it be a tree at the back? Yeah, but looking at it, that's when I first the um, went straight. To, I was like, God, there's a very little friend up here. But but looking here, you could probably say it go with Coleman. Egan Duffy at the back probably slip in uh, Matt Doherty as a win back then as well get himself in, because he said getting Shane McCormick and Matt Doherty into the team is, is, is a very viable option mm. and be looking at the the lack of centre half that he's brought into the squad that's what it seems to be because you're always going to try to get Shane McCormick in like not well deserved he's the, the captain of the country but he's still a fantastic servant and he still do a job and I think he, he doesn't have the legs really now to get up, up and down um, the wings are useless so have a Matt Doherty there that is able to do that it's a good compromise and you can still have Shane McCormand in the squad but uh, yeah but just, I think that was the thing that I really got from that is that I was, of course I was very surprised for the lack of centre half but I think yeah 3 4 might be the the formation we see him going with like I said especially with even as a striker there's plenty of winners that he has up as forward like you mentioned Robinson and McLean even Troy Parrott the odd time we can see him getting out the left hand side so it seems to be seems to be uh, the way forward now for the next couple of games to say he's going to try out a 3 5 3 situation but it's going to take time for, for Kenny to to get his, his starting 11 again and his formation and I think this is the game to do it you know to bring some guys in and give everybody a chance and see how they get on and test out a couple of, uh, of different ways of how he wants to play how he wants his Ireland team to set up Jared Former Republic of Ireland international Jason McAteer expressed his doubts regarding the ability to lead the national team. What was your thoughts on that? Uh, I didn't read too, too much into it, to be honest. He came out afterwards and said that that's not what he meant. That he was just explaining that it is just going to be a step up for Stephen Kenny from the League of Ireland. Um, look, at the end of the day, these are all professional players. If they don't, like people are saying that you know they don't show him any respect, they don't really know too much about him. If they don't know too much about them, the manager of your country, it, it says an awful lot about the players. Stephen Kenny will have no problem stepping up to be the international manager. The, the players will respect him fully. Um, and what, eight, only five minutes in his company, they'll respect him even more. Stephen Kelly, Kenny is, is, is a class act. And uh, I have no doubt that he'll be a success with the Irish national team. He did try and compare him to Brian Kerr. And when he was comparing him to Brian Kerr, 
he did put him down a, a fair bit calling his uh, training basic and generally everything about his management basic yeah look I, you'll always find some uh, some ex-player that won't be too happy um, I think himself and Brian Kerr I don't think they saw eye to eye anyway um, he well, didn't get as many games under Brian I think it's as he was expecting but look he was at the tail end of his career as well so uh, look I wouldn't read too much into it it's just paper talk for me um, Brian Kerr like he had whether his his tactics he had no issue with tactics and I think uh, his biggest issue I think as you said mentioned there was that his training methods and all that but I think wasn't Chris Hughton involved with the Irish team at the time I think he was setting all them training uh, sessions as far as I'm aware so I think it was more having a go at him rather than Brian Kerr yeah. I think he got things a little bit mixed up but I wouldn't read too much into it yeah okay and we're, we're all looking forward to them games and again to to have a look at the style because it is a, part of his appointment is about evolving the style of play so it'll be very interesting to yeah. see and he's done very well with the the under 23s as well He and you did see that when they played they did look to play football so if he can play football and get results that's the most important thing. Okay. And uh, exactly. Nathan, quick mention, Sean Brennan retiring. Yeah, um, the Sean Brennan one. He's uh, announced recently that he's retiring from football. It's just a good little shout out to a player that's been um he's been a long term player in the league. He's been playing the League of Ireland since two thousand and eight. He's totally four now, so you can sort of understand the decision from the hand of the boots. Play for the likes of Longford Town, Shelbourne, at Lowen Town, Monaghan United and of course his hometown club Jordan. Spent seven years with Jordy over uh, over two spells, so he'd be happy that that's probably the place where he finished up his uh, his career. It's interesting. He's played yeah, played a fair while. He played uh, two hundred and sixty three games in the Premier Division and the Fourth Division combined, and scored uh, fifty goals. So I was one that look at his age. It probably wasn't really surprised to see, but just the timing that I was just in the right in the middle of the season that he's just decided right, I'm retiring, but he's not retiring at the end of the season. I'm retiring now. So he's had to step into a coaching role at Jordan, the Lancerite manager, Tim Clancy. So yeah, another one of the, uh, the Brennan boys gone out of the League of Ireland. Of course, we have uh, Ryan, Gavin and Killian. Ryan's the only one now left in the League of Ireland playing with Shelbourne. The rest of them have one of their boots and gone off the pastures new yeah, well, in the League of Ireland anyway. A lot of young players hanging around the uh, first division, so maybe he thought this is the best time, and maybe the coaching role wouldn't have been there for him if, if he took it any later. So yeah, well done, Sean. Nathan, you have a few questions that uh, people had uh, mm-hmm. put to you. Uh, far away. We have. Before we start, I just scrolled through Facebook there, and Dundalk have announced a new manager. A friend has, has officially been announced as the Dundalk manager as of about twenty minutes ago. Okay, well, that's going to be an interesting yeah, one, fun, isn't it? Fun. It's fun to see how that works out. So, yeah, as always, thanks very much for the question. Uh, you can send them in to us on any of our social media pages to get them read out at the end of the show. We're going to start one first once we only have two today. One we literally we almost touched on, so we'll get that one out of the way first. Uh, this is from Dave Sweeney. Dave has said, in a recent interview, Ollie Horgan has said that he would take relegation playoffs with open arms. Do you think Ollie is being too negative on his team? Jared, they're going to give you that one. Uh, uh, look, everybody knows by now that Ollie likes to kind of play things down a little bit. Um, but he's been, he's realistic as well. Look, a relegation playoff for Finn Harp, a relegation playoff spot for Finn Harp would be just, would be perfect for, for, for Ollie. Um, look, they're never really going to compete at a higher level. The finances aren't there. They're in a, you know, they're based up in the top of the country. You know, they're so far away from most, from the likes of Dublin, Cork, Limerick, any of the big major cities. It's hard to attract players to go up and play in Bally Buffet. So look, they're always going to be battling and struggling to stay in the division. Look, he's done a fantastic job. Has Ali Horgan at Finn Harp? There, is, I don't think there's anybody else that would have done the same job he's done. He's he, he makes his teams very very hard to beat. They're always up for a battle, always up for a scrap. And I think, to, and with, especially with it being a 10-team league now, I think the best Harps can hope for is that, that playoff spot. And to, to be able to manage that year on year is just an amazing feat. And I think that that's, that's their limitations, to be fair. Yeah, I think he's the longest-serving 
manager at one club, isn't he now? So he's he obviously doing a fantastic job up there. They're a part-time outfit. So as you said, uh, I thought we were going to say uh, in the middle of nowhere or the back of beyond. Or, uh, but yeah, he's it, it's, a, it's a hard place to get players to go to. So he, he's done fantastically well. And to keep getting them back up is the, is the second part. You could easily falter away and get stuck in the first division for a few years. So he's always bounced back. And if they stay up this year, that's like win the league to them. So um, I know I, I think he's doing a, a fantastic job and it's a, just a little bit of realism, I think. I couldn't agree more, Jen. We move on to the second and final question then. It's from uh, Andrew Gorman. Andrew has asked, actually, I really like this one. It's who, do you, who is the best foreign player you've ever seen play in the League of Ireland? Hmm. That's a fairly easy one, Joseph and Doe. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, one of the he's a, he played in the in a couple of World Cups, and he came to he came to League of Ireland in the height of his career. Not like a lot of um, ex or a lot of professionals that come to League of Ireland kind of towards the tail end of their career. What he done in the League of Ireland is just is, is second to none. He's he's been a superb player, one of the best midfield players to, to ever play in the, in in our in our country, and he's still he's still he's still. Um, Involved in the game over in, I think it's Mayo or I think at the stage Mayo or Sligo. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a goal for me. Yeah, Nate, I think that's going to be everybody's show, really. Yeah, I, I, like, I think so. Nate, can, can, can you throw in a, an alternative? Oh, he's probably not the best, but I think Gary Twig is going to come into the conversation too, wasn't he? Very good goal scoring record. I time Jordan Shamrock uh, Rovers. Yeah, I think Gary, Gary Twig is at least worth a mention. I think again, it's always going to be a one man conversation. But if we're going to chuck in a little name, throw a little spanner into the works, that'd be mine. Be Gary Twig. Yeah. Um, how, how, yeah do we, boy, how do we? How do we? How do we define foreigner? <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, Kevin, Hunt, uh, Kevin Hunt for both. Another fantastic footballer. Yeah, as you say, what do you, how do you class a foreigner? He's an English footballer, but he was a he was a, a class player for both. He, he was the heart of their team as well. So yeah, Kevin Hunt for me as well. Also. Yeah, I think Mark Rutherford, if we're going to go down the English route, probably uh, had a, a successful career in the League of Ireland and done wonderful things. So yeah, there's been a yeah. few. There's been a few. There's been a few around, and uh, none of the Americans so far at Dundalk have uh, hit the ground running. But sure, you never know what will happen. Okay, lads, we're going to leave it there. We will talk to you next week. So uh, make sure you just have your pencils at the ready and get all the information down about Dundalk next week because this is going to roll and roll and roll. And uh, for the rest of the season, it's going to be highly interesting to see what way this finishes up. Nathan, thank you very much. Jared, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next week.